The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Have your way in this place, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. And somebody that is glad to be in the house shouted aloud, Amen. Help me walk up to a neighbor and just tell him or her it's good to see you in service this evening. And those of you that may be joining us online, it's good to have you as well. Glory, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Can somebody boldly announce again tonight, it's my time to reign. It's my turn to reign. It's my time to walk in dominion. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes some of the most difficult things to deal with and to overcome is self-doubt or internal things. It's not even external things. It's, it's not um, the difficulties that may be around you that is sometimes your biggest challenge. Because many times God has actually gone ahead of you to make the crooked paths to be straight. Hallelujah. I was listening to a man of God. <laughs> he shared a very interesting story about something that happened um, with one of his pastors in church. So he said sometimes um, just for, to break the ice and to get things flowing in their church, they, they have a lot of fun and they play um, among themselves. So they, were, they came for this pastor's meeting. Very, very interesting story. And um, one of the pastors had come in, one of his associate pastors had come in earlier and that he, he had hidden in a closet in his office. His plan was to just prank the pastor and just to, just again, to break ice, just to have, so everything won't be too stiff and too rigid. So, but he said, interestingly, that morning when he came in, he said he just knew by intuition that he should just open the wardrobe where this guy in. Looking back now, um, he figured it was the Holy Ghost that led him. So normally he doesn't open that wardrobe. So this guy was hiding in the wardrobe to just maybe just open and just scare the pastor. Just a prank, just to break the ice. So he just opened that wardrobe and he saw the guy there. So the guy said, oh, okay, my, my plan has been, um, it has come to an end. So the senior pastor now shuts the door against him. Oh, so you are trying to prank me, I'll be shut the door. And he now grabbed the chair. What he wanted to do was to grab a chair and to lock him inside because there was no key to use a chair to hold the wardrobe. But he couldn't find a chair. But he shut the door and he told the guy, look, I've put, a, do a, a, I put a, a seat to hold the lock so you can't come out until I rent to come out. He did not put a chair. But he told the guy, please listen to me, what's going on in your head may sometimes be the biggest hindrance to you walking in dominion, reigning, not what is happening around you. So he told him that I have used this, a door, a, a, a chair to lock this door. You can't come out until I open the door. And this pastor that was inside believed him. Of course, won't you believe your senior pastor? So he never tried to open the door. There was no resistance on the outside. If he just pushed the door of that wardrobe, the door would have opened. And he could have come out free. But he believed something in his mind and in his head, which is what this pastor was, was teaching about. What is going on on your inside is sometimes the most difficult thing. That's what Paul was teaching us in, let, let's read it, like 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to finish that story, but, so listen, but let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Glory, glory, glory be to God. Let me hear somebody say, it's my time to reign again. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start reading from verse 3. I'm sure we are familiar with this. For though we walk in the flesh, we live in a natural, physical world, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, primarily 
what we used to reign, what we used to rule, what we used to win are not physical, natural, carnal things. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What are strongholds? It's mental thoughts, mental images that have developed like a big giant wall or a big giant castle in your mind. The weapons God gives us. Can somebody declare with me tonight, I have weapons from God. They attack, it's not the physical things that they primarily attack. Hallelujah. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought. So you see strongholds here, you see arguments here, you see imaginations here, high thing that exalts itself, arguments that exalts itself against knowledge of God, bringing into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What is going on, on your, in your head and in your mind on the inside is probably more responsible, glory be to God, for what is happening around you. And this was the most interesting part of the story, that, that, why I, I, I thought I would share that story. So the door was unlocked, back to the story of the pastor, but the guy locked inside the closet, thought the door was locked. Not because of any physical restraints, but because of what he thought and what he believed, based on the lie the pastor told him. And instead of doing the simple thing of pushing the door and coming out of the closet. He now, so the pastor left him there, went into the office where they were supposed to have a meeting. He said, interestingly, someone now called him. He now forgot that he had, he, had, <laughs> he was just going to keep him there for a few minutes. So he took a call, started doing something else. And all of a sudden, he now, they now had somebody crawling in the ceiling. So this guy, instead of just simply opening the door, now, inside the closet, there was a hole apparently in the closet, climbed in and did the more aggressive, difficult walk. So it was when the pastor now had him climb, ah, what's going on? He said, this one is trying to get out. <laughs> and I said, ah, <laughs> the door was open. <laughs> and they all laughed. But he, he said something powerful that was a very, very interesting lesson to him. And he said, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me around that time that it's, it's like a picture of what's happening in the life of many Christians. We are doing too many hard and unnecessary things. Just because we are not believing the truth. Just because you are not holding on to the truth. And if you had taken the truth or the weapon that God has given you, it probably would have, not probably, it most likely would have given you a very easy solution to whatever you are dealing with. If you are here with me, say, I understand, sir. I understand. Hallelujah. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What, what God has given us. And it's these things that God has given us that we are supposed to use to reign and to walk in dominion. Hallelujah. So the question now is, what, what has God given us? What weapons has God given us? What are the tools we have in Christ that when we deploy, glory be to God, we can walk in victory? Somebody say, I can walk in victory. I can reign. Glory to God. We talked briefly about the prodigal son. We read the story in Luke 15 last, last week. The most difficult thing for that boy in that mess he found himself was to convince himself that when I go back to my father's house, everything will be okay for me. That if I go back, my father will accept me again. And you can begin to imagine the kind of mental turmoil he must have gone through to be able to get to the point where he could take the first step and the next step to start heading back home. 
He had taken his inheritance before the time. He had messed up. He had lost everything. He was probably living under a very thick cloud of shame and guilt. But he made that mental effort to say, I'm going to go back to my father. And if you listen to you know the story. He told himself that, I'm going to tell my father, make me a slave. That was what he was going to settle for. Make me a slave. I'm not worthy to be called your son. In fact, that's what he started telling the father. I'm not worthy. Unknown to him. <laughs> Praise God. The father had already forgiven him. Not only had the father forgiven him, the father was expecting him to come, hoping he would come, waiting for him to come, longing for him to come. And the Bible told us, Luke 15, when the father saw him from afar off coming, the father did not even wait for him to get to the house and confess his faults and say what he wanted to say. The Bible said the father ran towards him. And of course, all that was a shock to him. And when he now saw his father, he, he fell, was, and he started saying what he was going to say. Now, I, I said this last week, many times when it's your turn to rule or your time to rule, it, looking at that boy's story, that was a time for a turnaround for him, for him to begin to reign again. He had lost everything, but he did not look like it. Thank God, as the scripture says, he came to his senses. He was able to think right and overcome whatever mental barrier he had to overcome to convince himself to say, I'm going back to my father's house. And his father said, no, remove this dirty robe from him. Put on a proper robe, a robe of righteousness. Bring, um, remove the sandals, put on proper shoes for him, give him the ring, kill the fatted calf. And the father restored him to a place of dominion and authority again, which was what he lost. And he began to reign from that, from that place on. But he wasn't even expecting that. What God did for him, because God was a picture of a father there, was far more than what he expected. And when Jesus was sharing that parable, it was really teaching us that what God has done for us and what God will do for us is far more, infinitely beyond what we can imagine. Like Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. And many times we are concerned about what we are expecting God to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Our salvation works in three different phases as it were. What God has done for us already, what God is doing for us right now, and what God will do for us. Praise God. Many times we are too eager about what God will do for us. And we are not really taking advantage of what God has already done. And these are some of the weapons we are supposed to use to win and reign in life. What God has already given us. For that prodigal son, he was coming back to his father and he was like, God, my father, just make me a slave. I'm not worthy to be called a son. I used to be a son. I used to have an inheritance. Now I've lost the inheritance. I don't think there's any inheritance for me anymore. So from now on, <laughs> make me a slave. If you can do that for me, that all you do for me is just to make me a slave. My father, you have even done well enough. I will accept it. At least the slaves in my father's house, they have more than enough to eat. I won't have to be eating. That was what he was thinking about and hoping for. It was far less than what the, the, the love and the mercy that the father had for him. But that was his expectation. But unknown to him, the father had already forgiven him. The father had already restored him. He wasn't experiencing it. He didn't know it, but that had been done. And it was only when he came back to his father that he was able to really begin to walk in what the father had already done. It wasn't when he came home that his father forgave him. Listen to me very carefully. I want to establish something, what I want us to go into. It wasn't when he came home that his father forgave him. It wasn't because he came home that his father forgave him. While he was out there, Wasting his inheritance, wasting his life, losing the money. His father had already forgiven him because of the love that the father had for him. Hallelujah. 
and what the father had done for him was far greater than what he was expecting the father to do for him. I want the father to make me a slave, my father to make me a slave in, in his house because of the mistakes I've made, because of the errors I've committed, because of the time I've lost, because of the sins I've committed. God, if all you can do for me, just, just, just give me a, I mean, someone wants to get a house and he's just saying, God, just give me one, one, one BQ that I can manage somewhere. That's what we are believing God for. You've, you, maybe you, you, you've been married before and it didn't work out and you're trusting God to marry again and this time, perhaps you, instead of believing God for the best person that God can bring to you, you ask God, just give me one, just somebody I can manage. It doesn't have to be the best. You had a job before, things were going well, you've lost the job now and years have gone by, you're trusting God for a job. God, God just give me, so maybe before you would have said, I wanted to believe a job that would be paying like one million naira a month. Now time has gone, time has gone and you have now come to a place, you've brought everything down and said, God, if I can just be getting a job, that give me 150, 150k a month, I can manage it. Am I talking to somebody tonight? Because of what has happened, you are now your expectations has come. Look, on a normal basis, the simple truth is this. Ephesians 3.20 says that God will always do for us exceedingly abundantly what you can ask. So even if your faith is still strong at the level where I'm believing God that I want a job that will be paying me, say, one million naira a month. I want that kind of income. God can do much more than that. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. But what I'm talking about is the way we human beings rush. And it all boils down to how we are thinking and what's going on in our head. And this kind of thinking pattern will never allow us to reign and walk in dominion. It's what that boy did. Because of my mistake, I'm not even going to be bold enough to ask God, restore me as a son. Let him just make me a slave. And that thinking pattern comes from focusing primarily on what you're expecting God to do for you. What God is going to do for me tomorrow. What God is going to do for me next month. What God is going to do for me 2023, this year. You are focused on particularly the manifestation of what you want to see. There's nothing wrong with it. But that's not the way to think. That's not where you should start from. Hallelujah. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty in God. This scripture that we read here. For the pulling down of strongholds. Or we can say they are mighty in Christ. For the pulling down of strongholds. We should learn to start from what God has already done for us. What God has already given us. And learn to see them as weapons of warfare, truths and revelations that we can use to walk in life. And when we begin to embrace them, conscious of them, walk in them, they will enable us to reign. Hallelujah. They will enable us to win. So what I want to remind us of tonight, and what I want to deal with, talking about it being your time, it being your turn for you to walk in dominion, for you to reign, I want to take you back and show you what God has already done for you. What God has already given you. Who God has already made you to be as you are. Prodigal son, even though you have messed up, what your fa you, you can't see it, you can't feel it. You, you think your father is still holding a grudge against you, but he has already forgiven you. There's a different way if that boy had come, still repentant to, knowing his father said that, look, if I go home, even though I've wasted this inheritance, even though I've disappointed my father, so that boy didn't really know how much his father loved him. Even though I've done, made this big mistake, I know my father, his love is unconditional. His love is without limits. His love has no boundaries. Now that it has done to me and my eyes have opened, if I go back to my father, because of his great love that he has loved me, he will still accept me as a son. If he had come back home with that mentality, 
Thank God for what happened and what Jesus was trying to teach from that parable. It's a different scenario from a boy that came back and saying, just make me a slave. That's coming from someone that was believing for like one million a month, but because things have not happened, you have now come down. Just give me this one. The devil has negotiated your destiny with you. And he has brought things down. Instead of you believing for sonship, and that's where you reign, that's where you have dominion, you are now saying, make me a slave. Let me just manage something I can get by. And we all do this. And it's just a matter of what we are thinking. Matter of how we are thinking. It's like that person that was locked up. Because he was thinking a lie. Thinking a lie. The door is locked. The door is not locked. I wonder how many believers are thinking a lie like the prodigal son. Ah, the love my father has for me is not bigger than the mistake I've made. So he's not going to accept me as a son again. Let me ask him perhaps he can accept me as a slave. And he even did okay. Normally, some people will not even have the boldness to go back. Ah, if I go back, the eye my father will use to look at me. Hey, if I go back, the shame that all the people in the house, see, what is happening, he said, and unknown to him is opportunity to reign was in him going back. Am I talking to you this evening? What is going on in your head in between those two ears of yours? What are you thinking? And what the Bible is teaching and what the Bible really wants from us is to learn to use what God has done for us in Christ, in God, to use them as weapons with which we fight. Look, you can't reign without fighting. I hope you've understood that. Hallelujah. But you see, we fight, like we always say, from a place of victory, from a place of dominion. We are not fighting to win. No, Jesus has fought for us and he has won for us. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. We are fighting from a place of victory. Hallelujah. So go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. This is how you should negotiate anything you find, any situation you find yourself, any condition you find yourself, any place you find yourself in life. This is where you should start negotiating from. This is what God has done for you. This is how God sees you. These are the weapons God has given you already. And you start your discourse and your negotiations with life and the challenges you are facing or whatever you have to deal with from this place. You don't start thinking, ah, my father may not love me or he may not forgive me. This error I've made is much more than the love my father has for me. No. Oh, hallelujah. What's going on in your head? What are you thinking about yourself? When you hear a word like, God wants me to walk in dominion, God wants me to reign, God wants me to win, how are you processing it in your head? How are you seeing it? I think about that prodigal son again. Perhaps if it wasn't as bad as it got, it was when he got to the point where he was eating from the pig's stein, that now the Bible said he came to himself, or he came to his sense, and he said, I will go home. What if, please hear me and hear me, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with thoughts and how we think, because without them we can't train. What if things were not that bad? Remember his father had forgiven him. Remember at home, the ring of authority was waiting for him. The robe of righteousness was waiting for him. The new shoes to Decorate his feet was waiting for him. The fatted calf was waiting for him. All that already. But what if things were not that bad? Maybe he now got a job in that. In fact, he got a job. But they didn't treat him well. That's what the Bible said. They didn't give him any, Even though they gave him a job, they probably didn't give him salary. So he had to be eating the food of the pig. That's when he treated God bad. But what if they gave him a job and they were giving him a salary that which he could just barely get by? He won't have to eat the food of the pigs, but at least he will have something to eat. 
you could survive, you could manage. Do you know that with the mindset he had, if he had that kind of situation, perhaps he would not have gone home. <laughs> perhaps he would have stayed where he was. After all, it's not that bad. And you know there's a way you can rationalize like that. And though he is surviving, and I wonder how many Christians, how many of us are living that we are surviving, we are doing okay, but we are not dominating. And it's because of the way he was thinking. What was he thinking before he came to his senses? And remember, even when he came to his senses, he even got it wrong. They will not accept me if I go back home. My father will not accept me if I go back home. And it was a lie. He was locked in a closet. The door was opened. Easy. If only he had the right thoughts, he would have opened that door. But he had the wrong thoughts. He had a lie. And he now had to climb into the ceiling looking for another way out of his predicament because he was failing to use the weapons that were available at his disposal. All because of wrong thinking. Thank God things got so bad that he could not manage anymore. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Can you lift your hands tonight and say, Heavenly Father, Help me to think thoughts. I can't hear somebody tonight say, Heavenly Father. We talked about you blowing a trumpet last week. Say, Heavenly Father. Help me to think thoughts that will enable me to reign. Help me to think thoughts. Thoughts you have given me. Powerful weapons you have given me that will enable me to negotiate a life from a position of advantage so that I can dominate. Hallelujah. When we are negotiating and trying to deal with financial challenges, health challenges, marital challenges, life challenges generally, we should negotiate from the truth. Stand on the truth. So that you can have the advice, so that you can win and reign in life. Because it's your time. Hallelujah. You don't have to stay in that pigsty anymore. You don't have to stay in worry and self-pity anymore. Hallelujah. You don't have to stay in condemnation anymore. You can negotiate your way to a place of dominion, to a place of winning, to a place of reigning, out of where you are. Because God has made it so. Hallelujah. God has done all the heavy lifting for us. It's now our time. Every child of God, somebody shout that includes me. It's now my time to reign if you can have the right thoughts. And he called them weapons. Hallelujah. So rather than, please get this because this is the main thing I want us to get today. Rather than just focusing on what we want to see. And negotiating that thing that we want to see from a disadvantaged position make me a slave in my father's house. At least I will get food to eat. Ah! Maybe we should hold on about what you want God to do for you for a moment. I mean, things were so bad, you needed a break to forget about what you want God to do. Even forget about what God is doing right now. And I know this is important what you want to see God do for you. I want to marry this year. I want to have kids this year. I want to build my house this year. I, 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 I want to go to another level in ministry. They're beautiful, beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. Even forget about now. Focus on what God has already done for you. As you are now. As you are right now in Christ. As you are seated now. This day, just the way you are. Nothing else added to you. Just the way you are. Think about those things, arm yourself with those thoughts, and use them to negotiate for your present and for your future. Oh, hallelujah. The prodigal son was negotiating for his future from a pit, a pigsty. He was negotiating from a place of, I have no food to eat. 
he was negotiating for a place that nobody wants to give me anything. That's how he was thinking about himself. That's how he came to a conclusion that my father, my father, make me a slave. He wasn't supposed to be a slave. He was supposed to be an heir. And even though he was in that pig stein and he was in that mess, his inheritance was still intact. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Look at this. Ephesians 1.3. Let me just tell you what you have already and who you are already. And this is how you should negotiate. This is what you should be announcing every day. And start your negotiations from here. From verse 3, we're going to try and do, I want to try and do Ephesians 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to try and move, and thank God we're a bit familiar with this. Please watch this, and notice, notice, all these things, when Paul wrote in Ephesians, you know, this, the, the, you're a bit familiar with the epistles to the Ephesians. He prayed two prayers for the Ephesians. I've shared this with us. The prayer in chapter 1, he prayed that God will give us revelation. Primarily, we should know things. The prayer in chapter 3, he prayed that God will give us strength, strengthened with might by God's spirit in inner man. So that, and this was when you read the, if you read, in fact, I want to give you an assignment. Read just Ephesians 1 to 3. And what he was doing in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 was telling us, revealing to us, or reminding us who we are and what we already have if we're in Christ. Prodigal son, yes, you are inside a pig stein. And nobody wants to give you anything, but that is not who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Negotiate from there. Don't negotiate from what's going on around you. Though you live in the flesh, you are not of the flesh. And your weapons are not fleshy, they are not carnal. So he said there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3. We want to look at this from there. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in every place. You are already blessed. Hallelujah. Already blessed. And that has not changed. Glory be to God. And not just are you already blessed, said blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You are already blessed just the way you are. Nothing else added. Hallelujah. The whole picture would have changed if that boy knew. He didn't know. That was the lesson that Jesus was teaching with that parable. Even though I've made this mistake, even though I've made this error, even though I now find myself in the middle of this mess, I am still blessed by God, just as I am, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Hallelujah. He wasn't thinking that. And I'm asking myself tonight, how many believers today, particularly when they're in a difficult situation, are thinking that and negotiating their way out of their challenges with that thought, with that weapon? No money in my bank account, but I'm already blessed. Hallelujah. And I'm not just blessed, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing, glory be to God, in heavenly places. Why? Because I am in Christ. I may have made a mistake, left my father's house with my inheritance before my time, but that doesn't change who I am. I'm still a son. See, it's wrong thoughts made him think of himself as a slave. Let me tap someone to your left and to your right. Say, you are not a slave. Come on, tell that person again, you are not a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are an heir. And you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's the trumpet you should be blowing. That's the alarm you should be sounding. You find yourself in a peak stein. Announce that I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Negotiate your way out of that situation mentally about how you're thinking from that perspective. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Verse 4. Just as, and again, what, these are all past tense. This is not what God is going to do for you. 
Don't because of what you want God to do for you, negotiate from a disadvantaged position. Ah, you are now 35, you're a single lady, and you want to marry, and because you want God to give you a husband in 2023, you are now negotiating from a place where you are not telling yourself, I'm already blessed. You're not fighting the fight right. Oh, hallelujah. You're not fighting it right. And you won't reign if you fight that way. I'm already blessed. Number two, he said, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he chose us. You are already chosen. Prodigal son, you are already chosen. You know, you know what it means for God to choose you? He saw somebody else and said, no, it's all I want. When you are in Christ, God is saying, I don't want that person, I want Leia. I want Dere. I want Nana. He chose you. You're already chosen. You are the chosen one, the special one. You are the one I want. You are the one I want. Hallelujah. You are the one I'm looking for. In that peak time, the boy felt like everybody had abandoned him. Nobody wanted to give him anything. And he was negotiating with that thought. So he came to the conclusion, let them make me a slave. But it was a lie. The Bible said his father was waiting, looking for him to return. Remember the father had another son. But it was that younger boy he was looking for. The older brother said, ah, me that I've been at home. Been, he felt, but no, he's the one, the father, that's the son I'm waiting for. He didn't know that. And that was the truth. That was the truth. But he believed the lie. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm already chosen. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons, daughters, by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, I love this, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Past tense. He's not saying God is going to accept you today, no. He's not saying God will accept you tomorrow, no. Leave those ones. God does things for us today. He daily loads us with benefits. God does things for us tomorrow. We want him to do this for us. But many times, because of what we want him to do for us, we are forgetting about what he has already done. And what he has done for you is that you are already accepted in the beloved. As you are. Glory be to God. There is nothing you can do if you are in Christ that will remove that acceptance. Prodigal son, you took your inheritance, you lost everything. You are still accepted in the beloved. And that's what he found out when he got home. Ah, my father is accepting me. Not only are they, they are even killing the fatted calf for me. He was shocked. He was shocked because he believed a lie. How many of us are believing a lie? Because you find yourself in a difficult place. Because you applied for a job and they wrote you back and saying at this time we are not the one we are picking. You wrote jam or you wrote an exam and they wrote you back and say you did not make the cutoff. When you get those kind of news, how are you negotiating? You negotiate with I am accepted. Hallelujah. In the beloved. As I am right now, this is not what God is going to do for me. This is not what God is doing today. This is what, it's past tense. Somebody say past tense. I can't hear you say past tense. I'm telling you, these are your thought weapons. I'm already accepted. It doesn't matter who left you or who did not leave you. In fact, that is when to think it and say it. When you are like that prodigal somewhere, it looks as if nobody wants to give you anything. Tell yourself, you lift your hands, you blow a trumpet, you sound an alarm. I am accepted in the beloved. Let every angel around me hear it. Glory be to God. And negotiate your way out of that predicament from that place of victory. I am blessed. It's a past tense thing. Glory be to God. I am chosen. Hallelujah. I am accepted. See, these are the weapons, the thoughts I'm using to negotiate through life so that I can reign. Glory be to God. 
You, you read them all through. That's what he was doing in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. This is what to say about yourself. And these are things that have been done. Not that you, you, it's as you are right now. Glory be to God. There's no prayer you're going to pray that we bring this thing. It's already there. Can I hear loud amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Um, let, let me jump because of time. Because of time. Please read, read the whole chapter. Verse 11. Because of time. In him also we have obtained. We are not obtaining it. There are certain things that Christ has for us that we will obtain. There are certain things we are going to obtain. In fact, it said here that he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That's another thing he has done in the past. As a deposit of the inheritance in the end of the age. In other words, the reason why God gave you the Holy Spirit is a deposit or a guarantee that this is just guarantee I'm giving you deposit. The, there are some things that will come later when you get to heaven and all that. But there are some things that already now, there are some inheritance we have obtained now. Somebody say, I've obtained already. When you are thinking that and saying about yourself, you don't go and say, make me a slave. Make me a slave. Oh, just pay me 150K so I can manage. Even though your true worth is 1 million, 2 million a month. It's because of wrong thinking. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he went on Latter parts of, so he now went on and he, he paused a bit here. Then he prayed the first prayer. Skip that. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4. I want to finish in a few minutes. We're going to take communion today. By the way, going forward, our music service is going to be a midweek and communion service. For those of you that are joining us at home, get your communion elements ready. We're going to close with taking communion. Chapter 2, verse 4. Please watch. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. That's what the father demonstrated in that prodigal son story. I am rich in mercy. What you did was bad though. But what you did was terrible. But my mercy is greater. What you did was foolish and disrespectful. But my love is stronger. Stronger, greater. For God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Watch. Which with he loved us. Not that he's going to love us or that he's loved Loved us already. That's rich mercy. Hallelujah. That's great love. He has already poured it out on us. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? There is nothing wrong, child of God, with getting up every morning and reading from, um, what was that prophet's name again? His mercy is new every morning. Somebody help me. Lamentations. What's the prophet that wrote Lamentations again? Jeremiah. And you quote Jeremiah, his mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So when you pray that today, we'll probably pray tomorrow morning again, you are talking about what God is giving you today. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand, even if you are receiving new mercy today, the one he has loved you with and he has given you already is greater than any mistake you can ever make. Hallelujah. So you don't find yourself in a mess and you are in the name of this one I'm teaching us this, this evening. Please catch it, catch it. This is a mistake that boy made. Thank God at the end of the day it worked out well for him. But if you are still thinking like him, you may get yourself in trouble unnecessarily. Because the problem was his thinking was off. What Jesus was trying to teach in the parable was to show the love and the mercy of the Father, not the thinking of the boy. You need to know what to pick out of parables and scriptural stories. It's like the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And we talk about her and she demonstrated fear and was great. But when we are learning that story, she, she told herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she got her healing. A new creation should not read that story and be looking for touching the aim of... And many Christians are doing that. Wrong thinking. You are not using your weapon well. 
That woman got away with it. You, you may not get away with it. Oh. If you are thinking about torture, I'm going to touch them of the man of God's garment. Wrong thinking. You may even get healing when you touch the hem of the man of God's garment. But it's still wrong thinking. For you, the new creation. That's not you. You are now a member of the body of Christ. You are now bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. You are in him. You are wearing the garment, sir. And when sickness is attacking your body, you don't tell yourself, oh, if I'm... You are reading scripture. You are reading... It's like it's what Pastor May was teaching us last month in the Bible study when we were doing the fast. That not everything written in the Bible is, is scriptural in that sense, if you understand. It's from the Bible. But you know that, that thinking... That because, and you know what happens if you have been sick, maybe the first day you, the sick symptoms came, you are still shouting by yourself, just am healed. If you've gone through it for a long time, one year, two years have come, you can now reduce your negotiation to, let me touch the hem of his garment. That, that, that's what the prodigal boy did. That's the wrong thinking we are addressing. Don't forget about what you want to see now. See, that's pressure of I want to get a job. I want to get a healing. I want to have a child. I want to build a house. I want what God is going to do for me today. And what God is going to do tomorrow. If you are not careful, you can reduce you to forgetting what God has done. And it's a negative place to negotiate healing from. You don't negotiate your healing from I want to touch the hem of his garment. Hey! Not now that you are in Christ. Now that you are in Christ, sir, you are the garment. You are, you are the one wearing the garment. You are the body. You are seated with him in heavenly places. Far above all the demons that are bringing the sickness. How can you want to touch the hem of his garment? You are not using your weapon well. Because you are not thinking well. And life can bring you to that. Life, life can make you not to think straight. When you have made a mistake, you've lost your inheritance, you are in a pig stand for several years, nobody wants to get you can start thinking, I want to be a slave. You are not supposed to be a slave. That's what Paul was dealing with here. You're already blessed. You're already chosen. You're already accepted in the beloved. Yesterday things, not what today. You already have an inheritance. Your bank account may be reading that you are in debt for 10 million. But you've got to learn to think. See, this is how you negotiate yourself out of debt. You have a war of debt. A war. The weapon is not a carnal weapon. It's a spiritual weapon. A thought that I am an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. And what you need to learn to do is every day when you wake up and as many hours during the day, you blow that trumpet in the spirit. It's a spiritual weapon. Yes, you owe, according to the balance sheet of the bank, you owe them 10 million naira. But in the spirit, you are thinking, you are negotiating in the spirit. I am an heir. And you announce it. This is how you are going to dominate that situation. Hallelujah. 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 Let me go. I want to get to verse 10. Praise God. And I, I love what he said there. He said, with the great love with which he loved us, so he forgave us our sins. And in verse 7, that in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He might show through us, he might, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. You need to read that verse very carefully. It's not saying that, this is how I used to interpret it before. That as time goes on, God will be showing his kindness and his mercy in my life, manifesting his kindness and his mercy, so that he will show the extent or the grace of his kindness and his mercy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying what God has done already. Hallelujah. Not what God is going to do. I know what God is doing. What the, the love that God has shown you, the kindness that God has shown you, the grace that God has shown you is so much, so right as you are, 
that in the ages to come, they will say, look at Pastor T's life. That is a display of God's grace. That is a display of God's mercy. That's how you are already. This is all what he taught in Ephesians isn't what God is doing today or what God will do tomorrow. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, child of God, God has already made you a specimen of his mercy. As you are right now. You're already a testimony of God's goodness. Oh, your situation may not look like it, but that's who you are. Do you think of yourself like that when you get up every day? When you are negotiating in life, you are fighting a war concerning your health, and that sickness has been there, do you think of, look, I'm a specimen of God's mercy and God's grace. I'm not the sick. When they read my story, in the ages to come, in the time to come, they'll say, wow, that person is a specimen of the person God showed mercy and grace. As I am now, what he has done. Somebody shout what he has done. Negotiate your way out of sickness with that thought. Oh, hallelujah. Don't because I, I want to, the pain to stop today. You're not praying if I can touch the M of his garments. Praise God. Verse 10, let me close. Ah, I need to read this in the New Living Translation. Projection, help me. So King James says it, and we've called it, we are his workmanship. Let's read verse from verse 8. Verse 8, so we, we, we can flow. God saved you by special favor. No, let's, okay, put it here. When you believed, and you can't take credit it's by grace, not of works, so as any man should boast. Hallelujah. If what God has done. Verse 9. Praise God. So, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, none of us can boast about it. And this, verse 10. King James will say, for we are what? God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. So, unto good works that God has preordained that we should walk in. I, I love this. For we are what? I just love that translation. In fact, this year, I'm, I'm reading, I'm studying my Bible from the New Living Translation. I will still be preaching from New King James. And it, it's a good thing. I have done that over the years. Just take a different, you, you will see things that, it, when I was reading this earlier this week, it just hit me. I'm already a masterpiece. <laughs> see, King James says workmanship. Which word do you prefer, workmanship or masterpiece? It's not what God is doing today. It's not today God made me a masterpiece. It's not tomorrow that God is going to make me. It's not when I make my first one billion that God will make me. No, no, no. I'm already a masterpiece. <laughs> By God's grace, I am already. See, this is how to go into a negotiation. You are going to do contract tomorrow. When you wake up that morning, I'm already a masterpiece. That's the thought. That's the, that's the weapon you are throwing inside that interview room. I'm, I'm already. I'm already. If anybody shows you and looks down on you, just say, look, that's your problem. Me, I'm already accepted. I'm already accepted. I'm, al I'm already a masterpiece. Hallelujah. Already. He has done it. And look at this. We are talking about walking in dominion. It's when you think this way, we are his work management, so we can do the good works. If you don't think so, you can't go and dominate. You can't do the good works. In fact, you know why people are not doing good works? They don't think that God has already made them. They, do, they don't think like a masterpiece. Your thinking is all wrong. And you are thinking wrong because you have found yourself in a pigsty. And I'm telling you, in this world, you will find yourself in a pig's time. You are thinking wrong because you have made mistakes. You are thinking wrong because people are not showing you favor. People are not calling you like they used to. You think nobody wants you. You are, you are thinking wrong. But the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in Christ. And what do you have in Christ? I'm telling you, child of God, just as you are. Somebody say, just as I am. I'm already a masterpiece. All it took for me to become a masterpiece was to get born again, to become a new creation. 
And that's how you walk in dominion. He has made us a masterpiece. We are God. He has created us anew in Christ. This, that's how you became a masterpiece. So that you can do the good things that God planned. Walk in the dominion that God a long time ago. He recreated you a master. You may not look like a masterpiece. That's not what we are talking about. We are not talking about what you look like. You may not feel like so you, you are in the peak's time. You are worried, but your father has forgiven you. Hallelujah. We are talking truth here. And you need to start thinking truth so that you won't be staying in a cupboard that the door is not locked. And when you get tired of staying in a cupboard that does not lock, you now start looking for a solution that doesn't exist. The pastor said he had him crawling in the ceiling. There's no window in the ceiling. There's no door in the ceiling. You are just groping in the dark. The door was always opened. You are just using the wrong weapons. You never thought you were a masterpiece. You never thought. You are not blowing a trumpet that I'm a masterpiece. You are not. All the demons around you can feel what you are saying. You are not sounding I'm a masterpiece. You are sounding, perhaps I should touch the end of his garments. Hallelujah. Are you with me tonight? Rise on your feet, lift your hands, give God praise. Oh, if you're at home, get your communion elements ready. Somebody praise him, praise him, praise him. Let somebody begin to announce, blow a trumpet and sound an alarm in the spirit. I'm a masterpiece of God. I'm a masterpiece of God. I'm a, I'm a masterpiece just as I am. Just the way I am today, based on what Christ has done, based on who I am in Christ, I'm already a masterpiece. In my career, I'm a masterpiece. Maritally, I'm a masterpiece. Financially, I'm a masterpiece. Oh, katasata. Spiritually, I'm already a masterpiece. Somebody blow the trumpet. You need to renew your thinking. You need to arm yourself with the right weapon. Oh, shakata satata. The Bible tells us to renew our mind. What is going on in your head? What is going on in your mind? If you are going to walk in dominion, if you are going to do the works that God created you to do, and that's how you walk in dominion, is by aligning to divine purpose. We taught that already. You need to think right. I'm already a masterpiece. I am an heir already. I have, an, I have obtained an inheritance. I am loved by God. I am forgiven by God. I'm accepted in the beloved. Hey, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Jesus. I am chosen. Chosen. Past tense. Past tense. Past tense. Nothing that happens in the present or nothing that will happen in the future can change that. I am already a masterpiece. Oh, This is the joyful sound I am making. I am a masterpiece. <laughs> I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece of God. And that's how I dominate. That's how I reign. That's how I win. That's how I walk in victory. Hey, Yasoto Pasa. This is how I negotiate my way out of difficult challenges. I am already a masterpiece of God. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes. Blow your trumpet and make sure you are blowing the right trumpet, making the right sound. Sound an alarm in the spirit. Make sure you are releasing the right sound. Make a joyful sound in the spirit through your bold declarations and through your prayer and through your praise this evening. Oh, Satayala Bregedo Soto. I am. I am. <laughs> Based on what Christ has done. Based on the finished work already. I am a masterpiece. Oh, Yatasataya. This is how to negotiate in life. This is how to fight your battles. These are the thoughts you are to arm yourself with. These are the weapons of your warfare that God has given you. 
these weapons will pull down any and every stronghold. It doesn't matter the stronghold that the enemy has erected in your heart and in your mind. He has told you you will never amount to anything. You will never win. You will never reign. You will never be victorious. It's a lie of the enemy. When you start announcing and when you start believing and when you start declaring, I am a masterpiece of God. I am accepted in the beloved. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. When you start fighting with those weapons, that stronghold will crumble. <laughs> that lie that the enemy has. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 00640.